Well, good morning. Um, I got to tell you, Kim wasn't joking about that when he said he thought he might have to preach. What happened this morning? I had um, I had time change dyslexia, <laughs> and I I actually knew what time it was and stuff. I got up plenty early. I was just I was messing around, and then I woke up Debbie like 15 minutes before it was time to go because I don't know what I was thinking. And then when we got here, uh, we walk in and Ken is texting someone who is telling them they're not going to be here because he had hit the wrong number and he thought he was texting me. So <laughs> he was. So then I came in a few minutes late. But anyway, I made it. I'm glad to be here with you today. <laughs> and, um, I appreciate Ken for putting up with me with that. But I, I wanted to take a look this morning at the subject of worship as we're back with you today and uh, possibly be looking at this for next Sunday as well. But as, as we think about this subject of worship, I want to look at it in maybe a way that's a little bit different than we've thought of it in the past. Maybe look at worship as something that maybe is not just the singing part of worship and the actual part of worship that we do here in the sanctuary, we'll address that as well. But I want to look at a biblical example of what a attitude of worship is and what the heart attitude of worship produces. So we're going to look together today in Luke chapter 8. If you'll turn with me there. I, I, I'm always distracted during times like this of the election, especially this election. I, I got to confess to you, I've been so completely distracted by that nonsense this last week of everything going on with all that's around us. I think we need to be prayerful about it. I was so glad to hear your churches praying about that. And as we're distracted, we sometimes forget to focus on Jesus Christ. And to make our focus completely on Jesus Christ. And worship helps center us that we can focus on Jesus and really just get refocused on the person of Jesus Christ instead of distractions that the world throws around us. I want to begin reading in verse 40 of chapter 8. In the book of Luke, and it says this, it says, so it was then, Jesus returned, that the multitudes welcomed Him, for they were all waiting for Him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged Him to come to His house. For he had an only daughter about twelve years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for about 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood was stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throngs and presses you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. 
As we look at this together, we kind of set the scene and we see this picture of Jairus and his daughter is dying. His only daughter is dying. And as his only daughter lay dying, he finds Jesus and out of desperation, he pleads with Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And Jesus is going with him now to heal his daughter. And Jesus stops in the middle of the crowd then looks around and starts having this dialogue about who touched me. You get the impression Jesus isn't in a hurry. (laughs) And you get the impression that Jesus stops and pays attention to something so subtle that someone came and touched the border of his garment. I want to begin just by saying this. We are often distracted by everything that goes on around us in the world, and we fail to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and to the divine things that God is doing in our life, and to look around and notice what God is doing in our midst. One of the reasons we fail to recognize that is because the world screams, the world shouts, the media is all going crazy over the election. And as you drive down the road, there's billboards shouting at you and there's radio blaring at you. And you go home and the TV is blaring at you and the kids are pulling at you and the grandkids need something from you. And all of the world is loud. But we remember that Jesus speaks in a still, small voice. And in order to hear that still, small voice, we have got to be sensitive to the divine distraction of what God is doing. Look at the sensitivity of Jesus in this passage. And now he stops to pay attention to this woman. There's a reason he stops to pay attention to this woman. There's a reason he's so sensitive to her. Let's look at what those reasons are. It says in verse 42b, beginning, it says this. It says, uh, For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying, but... As he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for about 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood was stopped. Genuine worship flows out of a heart of desperation. I was thinking about that, about how desperate this woman must have been. She had had this flow of blood for 12 years and she could not be healed by any. This would have meant that she was ceremonially unclean. She couldn't go into the place of worship and worship. She was unclean. 
She couldn't function like a normal person. She couldn't come in contact with everybody else. She couldn't do the things that everybody else is doing. And she had spent now all of her living, every single penny she had on physicians because of this physical malady she had. And she could not be healed by any. She was coming up short. I, you get the picture of a woman who had asked all of her friends what to do None of her friends had the answer. She went to all of the professionals she knew to go to and none of the professionals had any answer. So she paid everyone she could pay to try to get rid of the problem she had, but no one could rid her of the problem she had. She was in a place of utter desperation. And genuine worship flows from a heart of desperation. I think about the times in my life when I've been most desperate and I have worshipped the greatest. <laughs> I think about that for just a moment. Just a moment, I want you to go to that place in your mind and in your heart and say, when was the time in your life? Maybe it's right now. I don't know. Maybe it's right now for you. But when was the time in your life when you would say, there, that is when I was the most desperate for God For me, I think it must have been uh, probably the time when my wife was, Debbie was in the hospital. When doctors told her they didn't think she was going to make it. Had to call in the kids. and I think that's probably the deepest desperation of time in my own life. What time is it for you? You know what plagues me about that? What plagues me about that is that like this woman here, our times of most desperation are usually related to our times of greatest physical need that are always temporary. Our physical needs are always temporary, but when we think about our times of greatest desperation, we think about the times when we've had the greatest physical problems. Maybe it was a financial problem. Maybe it was a health problem. Maybe it was something like that. But why do we not get desperate over the eternal issues of God? I think about the times when I was the most desperate, and it's usually related to something like that. But when was the last time you were so desperate over a lost soul? When was the last time I was so desperate over seeing someone come to faith in Christ and I knew it was just the most important thing on earth if that one individual of God would only save them, if God would only deliver them from addiction, if God would only deliver them from sin. I wonder when the last time we were that desperate for God and we were so desperate because of an eternal thing of a lost soul that would spend eternity in a very real hell. Desperation. That's where this woman found herself. It was that very desperation that distracted Jesus while He was on this important mission to heal this little girl 
who was dying and this desperate man, Jairus, was walking with them. And this man was at his wit's end walking with Jesus and the crowd began to throng him. And this lady sneaks up behind him and she doesn't throng him like everybody else. She simply reaches out and touches the border of his garment and it says this, as soon as she did, her flow of blood was stopped and Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throng and press you and you say, who touched me? <laughs> so Peter in like fashion as Peter always does kind of opens his big mouth and Jesus is walking and everybody's pressing and he's being jostled back and forth and the crowd is loud and everybody wants his attention and everybody's grabbing at him and everybody says, come with me, come with me. And, and he's walking along and pressing in and people, the disciples are probably trying to keep people away. And this lady comes behind, reaches up and touches just the border of her garment. Notice the position she had to be in in order to touch the border of his garment and she comes and she touches the border of his garment and he stops dead in his tracks and and says who touched me and Peter says uh Jesus <laughs> if you haven't noticed there's quite a few people here and uh me and the guys were talking and uh, I think a lot of people touched you what are you talking about <laughs> Jesus begins to continue to look around. Peter, no, that, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is somebody in this place touched me today. Somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. I, I, there's a man that I never can not mention whenever I read this passage. I have to mention this man every time I read this passage because it's just what comes to mind. Years ago, there was a man named Teddy Farr. Teddy was a man who, who he had a, a physical malady. He had a, a throat problem and he had his voice box removed. So he had one of these talking boxes he would use to talk with. Teddy had lived a wicked, wicked life and he was a very mean man. Teddy got saved at the end of his life, just before the end of his life, when I had the privilege to preach his funeral, Teddy got saved. And, and Teddy was out there singing one day, and everybody was singing so beautifully, and everybody was worshiping so wonderfully. And Teddy says this to me. He says, Pastor, in that gruffled voice of his, he says, is it okay if I sing the way that I sing because I just want to worship God that way. And, and Teddy would sing and all you would hear is it wasn't a beautiful song. It wasn't anything that would be pleasing to the ear of anyone. All you would hear because he couldn't hold his voice box here and hold his hands up at the same time. All you could hear was a garbled sort of sound coming out of him but you could see the tears flowing down his face. And it reminds me of that passage where it tells us that the angels desire to look into our worship 
And I often wonder if when we're singing, when we're praising, when the band is doing their thing and the choir is doing their thing and whenever we're all out there singing and praising God, I wonder if the angels desire to look into our worship and when they look into our worship, they see it from a different perspective than we do. And they don't necessarily hear the beautiful voices that we hear. And they don't necessarily hear the, the trained ear for music that some folks have. But I wonder if whenever the angels desire to look in to worship, it is Jesus looking at us, looking down upon us, looking among us, and I wonder if when Teddy was worshiping, it was just like I could picture Jesus stopping in the middle of the crowd, stopping in the middle of the throng, stopping in the middle of thousands and millions of people worshiping him on Sunday morning everywhere and say, who was it that touched me? Because somebody out there touched me. No, 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 not that one. No, not that one. Not that one over there. Maybe it was on the third row back, fourth pew over, maybe in that seat right there. Somebody really touched the heart of Jesus in worship this morning in this place. I wonder if that happened in this place. I wonder, since the angels assumedly and, and heaven would see from an eternal heavenly perspective, I wonder if in churches all over, sometimes the worship is dead silent and they can hear nothing because they only hear the genuine worship. I wonder. I wonder who they hear. Somebody touched me. It flows from a heart of desperation and it reaches out to a distant God who becomes near. Huh. Have you ever felt a distance between you and God? Have you ever thought to yourself that God is at a distance and, and then when you gauge in genuine, real worship and you become desperate for God, you realize that He's near Genuine worship reaches out, genuine worship reaches out in this desperation for God and finds that He is actually near. It, it is a true statement in that old adage that if you are distanced from God, who moved? It wasn't Him. When you reach out to worship Him, you'll find Him near again freed from the distractions of the world. The other thing that you find is that it looks beyond the crowd. It says in verse 46, but Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceive the power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. That's the other thing that genuine worship does. Genuine worship exposes ourselves to the heart of God. It exposes ourselves before God. When was the last time you were in a worship service? You were worshiping God. And as you were worshiping God, you realized that it was about you touching Him, not Him touching you. You know, oftentimes what we say whenever we leave a service or whenever we leave and hear a sermon, we say, that touched me. 
It reminds me of that song, He Touched Me. But as I think about that, first we must reach out and touch Him. When was the last time we were worshiping and instead of wondering if the worship songs and the things we were worshiping touched our heart and instead of wondering if what we were singing was something to our liking and through a liking of our ears and something that we enjoyed, I wonder when the last time was we worshiped and the first most forethought on our mind was I wonder if this is pleasing to God. Our first thought is usually, I wonder if this worship is pleasing to me. That's my first thought. I'm just confessing to you today. I go into churches all over. When I'm in a church, I sit down. And the first thing I think is, well, I like that or I don't like that. I, I like this music or I don't like this music. But when was the last time we said, God, since we're worshiping you, maybe we ought to ask you. He touched me. But oftentimes it's after we reach out and touch Him. And reach out for the heart of God. It unleashes the power of God in our lives. And it goes beyond the crowd. But Jesus said, somebody touch me for I perceive power going out from me. What does this power do whenever the power goes out from Him? Well, it obviously healed her. But look what else it did that was of eternal nature. It says, Now while the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before Him. When was the last time you were in a worship service and you realized you weren't hidden? I find that we come into worship a lot of times and we hide well. We can be in a crowded building, but we can hide pretty good. And we can pretend like everything's okay in our life, and we can uh, raise our hands and praise whether we feel it or not, whether we know it or not. And we can pretend that we're okay whether we are or not. We can pretend our lives are right before God, whether they are or not. But then whenever we enter into the presence of King Jesus, whenever we enter into the, His presence, whenever the big preacher, Jesus, whenever He shows up, whenever Jesus begins to be worshipped in the place, then you're beginning to worship and you feel like you and Him are the only ones in the room. We are often distracted by what someone around us is wearing, by what someone around us, whether they're there or not, whether so-and-so is with this person or that person. And we're distracted by the other people in the building. We're distracted by the crowd around us. But whenever we enter into genuine worship, it becomes us and Jesus in the place. And we realize we are exposed and naked before God and that everything in our lives are revealed before God. And it is as if we know He can see into the innermost core of our being every wicked thought, every sinful desire, and every godly motive as well. And we enter into the presence of Jesus Christ. And that becomes genuine worship. She realized she was not hidden. Jesus is looking around in the crowd saying, who touched me? And 
He's looking around and the crowds are pressing in on him and people are being loud and then his eyes connect with hers in a moment in time. His eyes connect with her and she knew she was not hidden, not before the crowd, but before him. And she knew he saw her. She came trembling and falling down before him. And then she immediately, because of the power that had gone out, she becomes exposed and then she becomes a witness. It says, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was immediately healed. (laughs) We used to call that testifying. (laughs) Do you notice how she testifies? She came trembling and falling down before him and this otherwise probably quiet passive person because of the nature of how she approached Jesus. We see this in the way she reluctantly, kneelingly came up and and didn't dare to speak to Him, but would just barely reach out and touch the corner of His garment. Now she comes boldly in front of the crowd. She doesn't care who else is listening because she's talking to Jesus, not them. And then she comes out and she declares to Him in front of all of the people what Jesus had done and how she was healed and how she was healed immediately she becomes an immediate witness do not tell me you can worship the king of kings and lord of lords genuinely you can get in his presence regularly and you can be overwhelmed by his power continually and not become a witness Because if that is true in your life, if that is true in my life, then we have to become a witness. We must become a witness. We can't do anything but witness. We have to say what He has done for us because it is overwhelming inside of us what He has done for us. And that is the fruit of genuine worship. Lastly, I want you to look at what happened to this lady. says, and he said to her daughter. I love the way he calls her daughter. He says, you're my child now. You're my daughter. I think we miss something when we stop calling each other brother and sister and daughter and (laughs) so forth. He said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, she's not only healed, she's made well. And she leaves in peace regardless of the crowd. I hope that's you this morning. I hope you'll leave in peace regardless of the crowd. Folks, I don't know what goes on in your church, but I've been in enough churches to know what goes on in church. (laughs) And sometimes you can be in church and you can feel judged by the person sitting next to you. Sometimes you can be in church and you can be so caught up in what somebody else thinks that you lose all your peace. 
Sometimes you can be in church and you can have someone else who you know has not been doing right, the things they've been saying about you. And you leave Sunday after Sunday with no peace and you're letting somebody rob you of your peace. But whenever you come with the express purpose to encounter King Jesus, and you come and reach out by faith and touch the hem of His garment, And whenever you encounter Him and He looks down at you and He says, Son, you're my son. Daughter. You're my daughter. Then you can go in peace. Because what the crowd thinks don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters to you at that point is what your father thinks. And He says, go in peace. Go in peace. I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know if you came here in peace. I don't know if you came here in turmoil. I don't know if you came here out of a place of desperation. But let me tell you how you can leave here. You can leave here in peace. Having experienced the peace of God that passes all understanding. I didn't say tranquility, having taken care of all of your circumstances. I said peace, having given you peace in the middle of all your circumstances. You can leave here with that kind of peace. If you'll encounter Him today, if you'll expose yourself to Him today and realize you're not hidden before Him, if you'll confess your sin to Him today and Have that cleansed out of your life here today. He'll forgive you. He'll call you son. He'll call you daughter. And you can leave here in peace. Pray with me. Father, I do thank You for Your peace. I thank You, Father, that it passes all understanding. I thank You for the gift of genuine worship. And I pray, perhaps someone in here has touched your heart today through genuine worship. And I pray during this time of invitation that if there's anyone in here who just lacks that peace, that they would expose themselves to you down at this altar today and that they would come and say, King Jesus, I need to encounter you today. I pray you would enter the broken places of our lives and bring healing and wellness that hearts and lives who need to be changed will be changed. I pray for anyone in here who does not have a burden for the lost that today You would give us a great burden for the lost, a cry of desperation for those around us who do not know Jesus. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.